Welcome to this episode of NLN Podcast Nursing Edge Unscripted, the scholarship track. I am your host, Dr. Stephen Palazzo, a member of the editorial board for Nursing Education Perspectives. Nursing Edge Unscripted in our track entitled Scholarship celebrates the published work of select nurse educators from the NLN's official journal, Nursing Education Perspectives, and the NLN Nursing Edge blog. The conversations embrace the author's unique perspectives on teaching and learning innovations and the implications for nursing program development and enhancement. Today, we have a really special guest with us, Dr. Kathleen Poindexter. Uh, as you all know, our past uh, chair of the NLN, and she's also the Interim Associate Dean for Academic Affairs and the Assistant Dean for Undergraduate Programs and Faculty Development at Michigan State University in Lansing, Michigan. Dr. Poindexter, welcome. We're so glad to have you. Thank you, and I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Oh, this is great. So one of the conversations uh, briefly Dr. Poindexter and I had was about the shortage of nursing. You know, we've been talking about that for quite a while. It's, you know, really was enhanced during the COVID pandemic and we're coming out of it, but we're still seeing a lot of turnover in the nursing workforce, especially with our new nurses. And when I've been talking to physician colleagues and nursing colleagues, some of the chatter I've been hearing is about around new and innovative and entrepreneurship type of endeavors and the lack of nursing or qualified nursing to help lead and to help um, progress those endeavors. And, you know, I've had physician colleagues say to me, if nursing's not going to be there, we don't, we don't have them because they're not in the, in the, in the pipeline. We're going to, we'll create positions. We'll create education for the needs that we have. So Dr. Poindexter, what I'd really like for you to talk about is kind of in your last couple of years as chair, what has been your experience in nursing recruitment, workforce retention, where you see the biggest gaps and, and what can we do about this? What do you think are the solutions? That's a that's a big question. Yeah, um, it, it is. It is. But that's you don't have to. Have, you're you're not going to have the solution today. But. <laughs> that's. I mean, those those are the challenges that we're facing, and and you know they were there pre-pandemic, and then during the pandemic they've expanded. So um, I think it's important to recognize that this is a deeper issue that we really need to look at in our profession, and and come up with some sustainable, long-standing supportive solutions uh, to rethink and kind of reimagine how we prepare the workforce for the future. And you're right, what I'm seeing too, not just hearing, but seeing, is that because of the shortage of nurses and the tremendous expense it's been for so many healthcare organizations to bring in travel nurses, and as you know, there's a, there's a tremendous influx in, in a rapidly growing, I mean, even increase in the number of um, foreign nurses that are coming in to take the places, which is which is good. Everything has its own consequences as a result of it. Um, but I think the most important piece here is that you're right, we have we're seeing that other healthcare specialties disciplines are replacing the workload and and the ability of nurses to hold positions. And we're seeing it in many other areas, whether it's um, paramedics that are now taking place or EMTs working on on floors, and they're just they're 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 staying there. But that's our profession, and and it's not that 
they didn't do a phenomenal job in an emergency situation. So I commend the ability of our healthcare systems and organizations to work together. However, they don't have the background skill set that nurses that nurses have. And, and in the ability to provide that holistic type care that's necessary to really promote quality, evidence-based care, holistic care that, that our patients deserve and, and what they've come to expect. And that is what we stand for. Um, we have to go back and look at, I think, the beginning roots. There's there's one, there, there's a supply chain that's an issue. And what are we doing in education to help prepare the workforce? But there's also a big issue with what happens within the workforce so that we can continue to retain those nurses and we do have the ability to have those senior level nurses, those expert nurses, those that are willing to go on and move on to grad school, that become the faculty, that become the leaders of our profession because there's, there's, there's a big ripple effect for, for all of it and you can't have one, one significantly impacts the other. Um, so I've used the term or I envision, I think the long-term production method that we've had throughout all my years of nursing education is it's almost an industrial approach to producing nurses. Yes, I agree. Um, and I, I hesitate to say that term, but I'm speaking honestly and transparently, mm -hmm. is that we just keep rolling them off the assembly line and we've got we've got plenty of applicants. But as we look at the rates of retention, we're still seeing, according to, to the most recent data I've, I've read, that we're still close to 50% that not only leave their positions, but they leave our profession after the second year. Yes. Um, we're also hearing loud and clear that our students are not coming out prepared with the competencies that they need to be competent and confident nurses so that it's taking the strain on an already strained healthcare system to have to prepare and educate our novice nurses that are coming in. Residency programs are, are good. Um, however, I, what I am hearing in all of our meetings with our healthcare partners is that there's much greater demands on preparing nurses as they come into the workforce now than they've had historically. And they are not coming in with the competencies and skills that they really require in order to transition into practice. Um, everything I heard from um, a national meeting or community that I'm involved with is, is we had healthcare uh, leaders that are saying they have to teach them to even skills as making beds. And yet we're trying to focus on higher level complex care, clinical decision-making, making prioritization. Um, and, and I think we really need to come together closer with that partnership and that academic environment. So one, the partnerships are crucial right now. We lack the clinical sites in order to prepare our nurses at both undergrad and grad. So I'm not confining this to just new novice nurses is that we lack sites and preceptors in order to prepare the future workforce. Without the sites, without 
the preceptors without the ability to work together were limited on the number of nurses that can transition into the workforce. And, and it's a perpetuating cycle. The more we create innovative collaborative models and, and really move forward to say academics and healthcare are in this together. We both have the ultimate goal in mind is to prepare a workforce with the competencies, the confidence, the skill sets to be able to provide the level of high quality care in our healthcare environments, to be able to partner with them and to leverage resources together, to be able to collaborate and partner with some of the nurses that they have on the units, to allow our students to really experience a full role of the nurse, to be able to work with them and to partner with them from the beginning of their, their educational process has really a strong potential to better prepare the students for the future needs. Our current models nationally are generally that, you know, one or eight students or 10 students to one clinical faculty. And we know that that acuity um, really minimizes the amount of work any one clinical faculty can work with their students. So it's preventing them from preparing, becoming fully prepared to enter into the workforce. They're limited with medications, they're limited with patients, they're limited with skills, they're limited. We are their barrier. So educators are their facilitators and their barriers um, because we, we're, we're limited. So I think strong, strong academic um, healthcare partnerships are just a must. They're absolutely essential. We both have shared resources. We can help each other. We can come up with a sustainable, more long-term solution so that we re-envision and rethink how we prepare nurses for the workforce and make it a, like I said, that, that sustainable change. It's not a temporary band-aid, right. not a temporary change. It's really putting those think tanks together to say, let's permanently address this concern and prepare, prepare what we need. The big issue is that nursing has to come together in, and really speak with, with this single voice from practice, regulation, academics. And, and I think we've been all too siloed. Well, that's yeah. been a that's been a theme since I've been a nurse. <laughs> I've been a, I, you know I've been a nurse over twenty years, and nothing's changed in that area so too much. Right, and it, and it limits our practice. Yeah, you know, we're seeing some measures moving forward. Um, the pandemic has opened up the use of of much more technology. Mm -hmm. uh, so, from an academic perspective, we've become much more open to the use of virtual simulation and and simulated environments where we can provide that controlled, safe environment for our students and learn to practice before they go into the environment and actually provide that type of care on a real patient. Um, that's a huge movement forward. And, and it has been costly, there's no doubt about it. And that's one of the challenges is the resource availability. But we are able to move that forward. Um, we're able to use more telehealth it helps with education as well because we can now use telehealth to collaborate with some of the advanced practice nurses where we can't always access um, the types of environment 
that that we need to place our patients or our students in, especially those remote, hard to access areas that um, we all know that part of the problem is how best do we prepare our future workforce to meet the needs of not only the patients that are convenient, but those that are rurally co-located, those that have problems with access, those that have, don't have the resources. So we're really looking at, at preparing nurses to be able to reach and, and expand out in the communities where, where healthcare is, has really been a challenge. Um, so what role does the federal government potentially have in incentivizing our clinical partners and our universities? Well, as I started to say, resource allocation is a major problem. It's funding. This is expensive. Mm -hmm. um, the more that we can prepare students, we need more resources. We need more sites. We need more faculty um, for those nurses that have left the workforce. Many of them really didn't want to leave the workforce, but perhaps we can collaborate and find ways where we can we can use their their expertise. Their they've got tremendous ability to not only prepare future nurses, but help with education and perhaps help in patient care in different ways that address some of the concerns they had during the pandemic. But we need funding. We need the federal government um, to be able to provide funding for nurses, for scholarships. We need um, funding for faculty development and mm -hmm. for faculty salaries. We know one issue, minimize or at least limiting the number of students that can come into the academic environment it is, is a limit on the number of faculty that we have. Many faculty find it very difficult to transition from right. because of the pay differential. Um, and then you've got who are the faculty? They're the ones with the advanced degrees. They're the ones with the school, uh, potentially school loans on their own. This is something that the federal government could certainly um, step in and provide the funding to support faculty development and loan repayment and scholarships, not only for the students, but the faculty themselves, to offer more funding that's available in the form of grants. So what are some innovative and creative ways that we can develop partnership models that are truly research-based and, and that we can test and validate that this is a sustainable model. Mm -hmm. um, again, that costs money, and we know that grant right. money is becoming more and more competitive. Yes. And education is not always number one or high on the level of research grants and the funding that's available. So that's right. That's right. I, many of the areas that I really learned that were so essential as my during my time as chair at the National League for Nursing, and I think we all cognitively know it. Um, I smell I could get it right on the test, but to really live the experience of the absolute essential importance of nurses and multidisciplinary teams communicating together to identify that shared voice and the shared priority and speak with one voice to move forward that's what can be used to advance policy initiatives, to advocate for funding, to, to move initiatives forward. 
it doesn't happen without that. And I think that's a challenge that nursing needs to work more on because we aren't very unified in our voices and our requests. Well, that was that was a huge component is the power of networking, right. the power of having a seat at the table and a yes. voice where you're heard, where you're respected and collaborative with others so that we can move forward. Um, that was that was absolutely imperative. Um, the other component piece that I really learned is that that really again, I think we all hear about it. We hear so much about diversity, equity, inclusion, mm-hmm. anti-racism. And we know that we want to be able, we must be able to increase the diversity of our future workforce. So it's not a matter of just getting nurses or students in here to, like I said, to, to move them forward in the workforce. We need to look at it, the diversity because we know, and again, COVID made this huge chasm visible to all of us that we could no longer ignore it. It's always been there. Mm-hmm. But we were able to look the other way and, and we can't do that anymore. We know that the populations that suffered the most were those that were the most vulnerable, those that were marginalized, those that didn't have access, those that had poverty concerns. We're seeing more and more problems with planetary health issues, climate changes. And again, where's the impact on health? It's the same populations. We don't have the ability to, the diverse workforce, the diverse nursing workforce, to best reach out to various populations that are most impacted and most affected by some of the major changes that we are seeing today in our in our communities and our healthcare environment. So, it, it the it, it is so important to really focus on not only diversity and true inclusion and and understanding and appreciating what equity means in our nurse, in our students, but we also have to be able to reach out to the workforce because our students go in the workforce and and they get mixed messages sometimes because I'm not sure that we're all on that same level. And what can they do about it? How can we help promote leaders that are diverse? so that there's more role models for our students to be able to look at, look up to and emulate. Um, absolutely important. And I hear it over and over, even from our students. No one here looks like me. There's no one I feel comfortable to go to. Or we have a challenge maintaining leaders within the academic organization or within the healthcare organizations. So it, it's important to know that not only can we bring greater diversity into the workforce that's necessary to promote the health and advance health equity across all populations as the diversity of our nation grows. Um, That's our responsibility. That's what nurses do. And and I think we've got to look at it again from not only the educational perspective, but but from the healthcare perspective. And again, a lot is can be helping with our federal government, funding, supporting, scholarships. incentives, education, continued education, continued programs, workforce development programs, grants for equitable workforce development programs so that they do have the ability to do seamless transition, reduce the barriers to advancing in their education, um, meeting students where they're at and helping them to move forward. So I think that that was a major, I I think those are some of the major 
initiatives that I've really learned. And there's a lot going on, and I don't want to minute. Tri Council is in an mm-hmm. organization where we have those leaders from practice, academics, and and regulation, and the lead, top leading five nursing organizations come together to really collaborate and discuss and identify shared agendas. And how do we um, prioritize where our efforts are going to be? Because we could go on for a long time and talk about challenges. And and we can't use a shotgun approach. We've got to be able to be strategic, um, establish those action plans, and know where we're moving forward and moving forward as a group. Nurses on the front line can be a part of that, and they can start it, and they need to follow that same process. And we as educators need to need to provide that type of background for our students. Well, uh, thank you so much for sharing your experiences and what you learned in your two years as chair. Um, You know, this is a topic, obviously, that deserves a a lot more time than we're able to give it in these podcasts. But my hope is that those who are listening, you know, who are, I'm sure many of them are well aware already of these concerns and issues, but will spark something uh, that they can take back to their individual facilities, their their places of education, and think about how to strategize in a way that brings, you know, industry, uh, our clinical partners, and the universities and colleges together to address some of these uh, workforce issues. So leave us with um, one of the one of your like highlights of your your tenure. The um, uplifting thing that you saw in the two years that just really inspired you when, when you left office? I think it's the, the most inspiring uh, message and the most inspiring thing I took away is that nurses are phenomenal leaders and we have the skill set that includes the leadership, the communication, the personal, the human touch, the the creativity, the resilience, the innovation. Um, we have a lot of skills in our in our profession that I think we take for granted. And the ability for one person to come back and to include others to move this forward, it doesn't take a national, I'm not gonna, you know, it doesn't take NLN or AACN or any of the other organizations. It's something that every one of us can do is we come back to our own organization and use those same leadership principles, the advocacy principles, the diversity principles, and to reach out to our healthcare partners and to create that shared vision to move forward to how we are going to together address the issues and the concerns of our healthcare environment and our healthcare workforce. So there's nothing that's going to stop any one person or any individual that's, that, that steps up, you know, solicit, network, recruit, um, drive motivation, excitement, enthusiasm, remind all of us of what we're here for and, and to really look at those topics. What are the priorities in the wide ranges of of what was necessary in healthcare, but I, I think that's the biggest message is that I always say I any one of us are just one person and not necessary. It's not any anybody can do the same thing that we've all accomplished. And, and don't be um, don't feel restricted. Mm-hmm. Don't feel that you can't do it. 
And I'm going to quote Bev Malone. Um, it's some, it's a message that's resonated with me forever. Um, and, and I think the comment is, is that she said, I never thought I would, but I never thought I couldn't. And if that is one message that every single nurse can take with them, is that you can, you can, you just need the motivation and the enthusiasm and, and the focus and, and, and try. Um, be part of the solution. Nurses should be part of the solution, not contribute to the problem. And we have the ability to do that. Dr. Poindexter, what an honor to have you on. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you for your words of wisdom. Thank you for your service to the profession, to the NLN. Uh, again, uh, this will be a nice treat for our, our viewers. Thank you. As always, it's been an honor and a privilege. And, and I greatly appreciate all you do as well and all the NLN does in the podcast.